This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sports reporters assemble! Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters have assembled because it's Friday, and you know what that means. It's the sports reporters with not Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press. No Andrew this week, unfortunately. But Bob's it's like Godot with this guy. When's he gonna show up, man? I know, I know. He moved to Detroit, big time in us, you know. For Chase Thomas podcast fans, we had a tight episode last week that has been lost to the sands of time. I don't even want to talk about it because of how pissed off I was and how full Karen I went about that entire event last Friday, Bob. Like I was, I was, I was fuming. Can I, can I recommend that you purchase Tape a Call Pro, which has never failed me? It costs like five dollars. What is it called? Tape a Call Pro. Tape a Call Pro. I have not. This is not a paid sponsorship. I have not been compensated for my endorsement of tape a call pro but that's uh that's the really the best app as opposed to call recorder Mm. which occasionally borks things well yeah it did it borked it borked it hardcore and you and i are both writers we love the term borking like borking is a big 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 thing word it's a good word it's a good word um like thor said it's a made-up word but it's very meaningful well that guy if you did not already know because you don't listen on every Friday afternoon, is Bob Silverman of the Daily Beast. Bob, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Chase Thomas Podcast fans. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. good, man. Do you do yeah, you I got do my a late second, night show? Yeah. Could you what? do it? Could I do what? A late night show. Do you think you could do like hosting like a Conan or Seth Meyers or something? No, that's very difficult. Yeah. That's incredibly difficult. That's a tough job. Look, everybody loves to clown on the middle brow humor of you know, Jimmy Kimmel or, or all of his bastard scions, but that's a hard job, man. Doing that job well is very, I don't think I could. I really don't. I don't think I could Keep either. Because friend of the program, movie. Will Leach, did the Will Leach show on SI for a little bit and was uh-huh. kind of doing like his own little <laughs> spur of uh, of those shows. And he loves, I think, yeah, I think I recall he loved Letterman growing up and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. he wanted to do it. And I'm just like, I look at it and that's not something I've ever wanted. Like, I'm it's not a video person whatsoever. The ball rolling while on camera. You have to be funny, but yes. not funnier than the guest. You have to keep the conversation moving. You cannot make any crude references, but you also can't go too highbrow or you're going to lose the relatively sleepy, sleepy middle American audience. It is it's it's like spinning plates, man. That's a tough job. I yeah. really know it requires a lot of work and a lot of practice and a particular kind of improvisational humor that is just not up my alley. No. I and besides, do when I'm doing this, I don't have to wear pants. And that job requires pants. <laughs> Does it, though? If you're behind a desk, I don't think you would ever really know. 
I mean, maybe not. I mean, Rachel Maddow, granted, not a talk show host, but also on TV and behind a desk, famously wears some extremely mom jeans on the on the lower part of her body while rocking the pundit's blazer. Is that true? That is true. I didn't read that. about that. I knew that there's a long profile of Maddow in the New Yorker hmm. magazine, which discusses <laughs> discuss the fact that she's like, I need... I need a comfortable, high-waisted denim in order to do this job. Can don't, I tell don't. you that – I don't know if you're like this, but let me ask you this before I reveal this. Um, what is your – do you have a go-to riding attire? Are you able to be um, productive in, like, comfortable clothing, or do you have, like, a riding I'm, I'm – I, uh, yeah, I do. It's, it's a sweatpant, shocker, mm-hmm. and, and an A-frame shirt. Like, uh, you know, a sleeveless tank, you know, I'm not going to say the crude term for it. Is this what you wear every time you write? Pretty. I mean, look, when I'm working, you know, the freelance life, which it's been for a while now, um, I'm available for staff jobs, anyone. Um, The freelance life does require a lot of work from home. So that was a fairly smooth transition for me during core. But. Yeah, I'm not going to wear nice clothes. I mean, look, when I was in the office every day, we weren't, there was no dress code on the site that I worked for. So, you know, I came in with a button-down shirt or a t-shirt or something like that. It was not, you know, it was very, it was extremely casual, as you would expect of sad bloggers sitting in front of their desk. But I prefer something even looser and less restrictive when I don't have to be in public. Interesting. See, I am the opposite. I don't know if you would have suspected that. Um, yes. I cannot function. Like once I change out of work clothes, like my uh, like that's that's when I go and read. Like I can't read and um, sit there and just dive into a book in like jeans or khakis or whatever. Like that just drives me nuts. But I, see, the thing is, I need to be able to. Whenever I get stuck with a particular chunk of reporting or return of phrase or something like that. I feel that like the one thing that will invariably kick <laughs> my cranium into gear is walking around. So yeah. I will, I will take a walk. Oh, okay. Walk so I, we're on the same page um, So in that case, I like to have, you know, a pair of sweats, yeah. some sneakers. I have two kinds of sneakers. Okay. I bet you can't, I bet you could probably guess which kinds of sneakers I have. I feel like you, Actually, have, a, you have, have a pair of New pair Balance. Of, There's no way you don't have a I, pair of New Balance. No, I don't. I have a pair of basketball shoes that are Nike that I got when I went to do a story for free. That was tight. Uh, Ten years ago, um, which I wear when I very occasionally now play ball. But for everyday walking around shoes, no, I don't have New Balance. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a bigot. Why would I have the bigot shoes? Are they bigot shoes? That was a trope for a while. Okay. Well, I yeah. do know that um, my favorite summer uh, polo has just been ruined by the Proud Boys. I'm sorry. for. I'm sorry. The Fred Perry shirts are quite nice. They're amazing. And they're so comfortable. And they've been ruined for me. Just don't wear the black and yellow ones, Is that man. it? Can I still wear That's them? That's it. Okay. Fred Perry's fine. Fred Perry, the brand, mm-hmm. is has a long history of affiliation with leftist politics. Fred Perry is absolutely fine. You can wear all the Fred Perry you want. You just can't wear the Pittsburgh Steelers colors. Okay. 
because I love Fred Perry Colos. So they okay. were they were great. Yeah. Once the Proud Boys started getting chose that as their uniform, the brand itself came out and said, "Please stop wearing our clothes, you dinguses." Hmm. I will say New Balances are the most comfortable shoes, and it's not even close. I, I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they are. I, like it's I just not even close. Look. I've worn a lot of different pairs of shoes in my life. Yeah, but see, like this way, I don't have to go and try on a different brand of shoe. Mm. This is the you know look. This is the 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 Einstein has only one kind of suit thing. I have right. two kinds of sneakers. I'm sure you can guess what they are. Well, I already know one. You told me the no the 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 free Nike basketball shoes are not oh. don't count. Okay. Two everyday walking around, kicking it, kicks. I have no idea, Bob. Uh, I have a pair of white Stan Smiths. Okay. And black low-cut Chucks. Okay, I would have guessed the Chucks. That, that was something I would have guessed. Um, never worn a pair of Chucks in my life. Really? I'm not a Chucks guy. Huh. Bob, okay. where are you going? You're You're away from the microphone. Something's happening, man. You've disappeared into the atmosphere. Oops, sorry, minor technical problem. We're back now. Not a Chuck's guy, eh? Mm-hmm. They're very... Look, they look good, man. The new ones have more support than the old... The the original brand, which is just a small sheath of cardboard between you and the pavement. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend them. Again, this is not paid. I don't know, man. I just... I. It's never been me. I, I, I guess I'm very preppy in what I wear. Yeah, a little bit. Stan Smith, though... Stan Smith is a quality preppy shoe. Mm. Mm. Um, which naturally leads us to the NFL draft last night, Bob Silverman. Naturally. Did you I have – you know how many – yeah, of course I did. I watched the whole thing. Okay. My, my, my significant other refers to this as the, the great reading of the names and finds yes. it utterly ludicrous that I spend four hours on a night watching men behind a desk read a name <laughs> and then talk about the name and then talk about what name might be read next, mix in some highlights, and then read another name and do that for four hours. I wrote a story actually back in 2015. I went to the NFL draft to cover it from Raider City Music Hall. Um, and this was the year of the Michael Sam draft. And I thought, okay, I want to go cover this. And I was, I was writing it for a not very well-known outlet, and I could not get press credentials. So I just had to do the whole you're going to wait online and get a free ticket thing. I did. I got there at nine o'clock in the morning to be let in by noon on Sunday for rounds four through seven. Let me tell you, waiting online for three hours with NFL draft Knicks was a real experience. There was this guy I spent a lot of time talking to. He was a Jets fan. Um, he, he's, he said his name was uh, Dr. Bobby Love. And I, and I asked him, like, are you a real doctor? And he goes, yeah, I'm the doctor of love, which, you know, ask a stupid question. Um, but Dr. Bobby Love was like, imagine he's the spitting image of Ron Perlman. Imagine a somehow girthier, slightly wider Ron Perlman, but wearing a Wayne Corbett jersey. That's Dr. Bobby Love. Mm. Um we and and so Dr. Bobby and I chatted. We talked about the Jets' sort of general failures. Like the actual, the the, the really the weirdest thing about attending the NFL draft in person is when you're up there in the third deck at Radio City Music Hall in the balcony. The amazing thing is, apologies. When you're up there in the third deck, the TV broadcast isn't on. 
even though the ESPN crew is in Radio City. So all you hear is this sort of static background noise followed by occasional cheers, and there's no sound at all. So imagine watching the NFL draft on TV, except the whole thing is muted, and just for hours and hours, there's just sort of a low-bore thrum of people complaining about picks with the occasional cheers. It is a very, very, very surreal experience. Not as much fun as watching it on TV, let me tell you. I didn't watch the draft with my significant other. I watched it alone. Uh, okay. part. Yeah, um, no, no, no. My significant other would not be present for this. She was just like, you do you do your thing, man. What is the one thing that brings y'all together? Where, where's the crossover? What do y'all watch together? What have you found? Uh, we very much enjoyed the Stanley Tucci Eats Food show that's on CNN. Okay. That's a show that we both enjoy a, a great deal. Uh, we watched The Mandalorian together and enjoyed that a, uh, enjoyed that a great deal. Um, we have watched uh, probably a lot of also in a similar vein a lot of Anthony Bourdain show episodes together mm-hmm. we don't have a ton of crossover in terms of shows we both like it's 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 a it's a little bit of tension like for me yeah. if I need to detox or wind down I am totally fine with a Friday night marathon of diners drive-ins and dives playing in the background and my significant other sort of vaguely tolerates that I like it because like it's hard, man. It's something you don't really think about when you're younger. Of like, how does this work? How do we? How, do, how does this work with your significant other? The the viewing habits, the reading habits, all that kind of stuff. And um, I don't I don't enjoy the crossover with sports. So I kind of like just being like, hey, I need my time to do this, or I'll watch it early in the morning, or I'll watch it late. Sure. But there are some things where I just like I I need you to to, <laughs> to take one for the I team. Need, I need a moment. Yeah. Um. But like one of the things that has helped that. Uh, it's kind of like a get out of jail free card with her where it's like I I can watch episode like the circle all in on the circle. It's an insane show. It's an insane ludicrous program, but I get why she watches it, which is you really after a stressful day, turn your day like just turn your brain off and listen to extremely stupid people um mm-hmm. talk and just be ridiculous for 20 it's minutes. It's so dumb. I love the NFL draft so much. Yes. As we- discussed i have i i loaded up on mock drafts prior to it so i was ready to know when the when the jets screwed up Mm -hmm. and i have read all the mock draft grades between 1 a.m and now so that i know how well the jets did or didn't do i have questions about giving up that much in terms of draft capital to get a guard but might be a right tackle he's not a right tackle they're gonna play him a guard they're gonna play him next to beckton I don't know. They've, there's been rumblings that he might be a right tackle for the Jets. They got Fant. Fant is fine. They can they can survive with Fant. They have no one at guard. Van Roten and Lewis were both awful last year. They desperately need an upgrade. They didn't upgrade at center, too, but for some reason, Douglas likes mm-hmm. Connor McGovern. Did you um, did you shout any J-E-T-S? That's right, man. I ate some tape in preparation for this. I am ready to discuss the hog mollies in mm. the Jets' interior. So the so how does uh, Zach Wilson fit in the the new scheme? I don't like Zach Wilson. Why? Is it because he looks I like don't. he's a speaker at CPAC? He looks like a he looks like one of Matt McGovern's like PR people. Mm. He just uh, Matt Gates. Sorry, not Matt McGovern. I'm obsessed with I've got Connor McGovern on the brain. I I'm sorry. He looks like the bully in a 1980s surfing movie mm. I just, or Ski Lodge possible wacky comedy. I don't. Something about him is 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 pinging my cherries in the worst way. And I could be I, this is based on absolutely nothing. 
if I'm wrong about Matt, about uh, is it just Mark Sanchez PTSD? I like that Mark Sanchez was pretty. He was okay. he was I, he, like Mark Sanchez. You know his his all white GQ suit that was mm. fine. I like that. Got to meet Longoria. Cool. Yeah, Mark Sanchez is a handsome man. That's fine. It's just I don't something about Zach Wilson. He irks me. He irks me. I've, I I I am happy the Bears got Justin Fields because that's it. the Bears haven't had anyone fun at quarterback since. Uh, uh, I mean, Jim Jay Cutler was fun. Who? Jay Cutler was fun. Yeah. I mean, he was okay that one year, but I don't know if he was fun. He was fun to watch. The Smoke and Jay stuff and his entire run in Chicago was was fun. I enjoyed it. Okay. I mean, I anyway, happy the Bears got Justin Fields. I, Rex I would, Grossman I would, was also fun. The fuck it, I'm going I, deep era. He could, I, would, Super I would much have preferred if the Jets could have somehow uh, hoodwinked San Francisco into sort of that three-way trade with Philly and had the Jets end up with Justin Fields and more picks. That to know, me, man. Like, I... One of these guys are not going to work out. And that's just course, the silly things about the NFL of the draft. the five of them, there's a non-zero chance that at least 60% of them are butt. Exactly, and that's why I get uh, tickled when I read these recaps and like. Oh, they're all totally ridiculous. They're yeah. spun from whole cloth. Nobody knows anything. The hit I mean, rate at quarterbacks after, is after the horrible. Darnold. I think it's like what is it like four eighty uh, percent don't get it. No, some some incredibly high number don't get a second contract from the team that drafted them. Mm. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round. I don't have the stat in front of me. Yeah, no, it's but, like they basically have like a thirty percent all time hit rate. Of finding their guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember quite distinctively everyone clowning on the Buffalo Bills for taking Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Seven. The universal consensus was, well, you screwed that up. Be like, yes, Josh Allen has all kinds of athletic gifts, but he can't hit the broadside of a barn. You can't teach that. And he was going to be a bust. And they were <laughs> – and it's it's – him and Lamar Jackson are one and one a in some order for the best quarterbacks in that draft. Yeah. It's, we don't know anything and that's something I have to take a step back and like the Falcons oh, took Kyle oh, Pitts and it's a tight end and there's not a Pitts great school. Kyle Pitts is awesome. I like the Kyle Pitts pick. I've warmed up to it more today um, than I was last night just because I'm very concerned. Like if you, the difference between hitting on a quarterback in the top five versus the top 15 is night and day. Um, and yes. you just don't know if you're ever going to be in that position um, again anytime soon. And that kind of concerns me because... Did you, you, know, did you want them to roll the dice on fields or were you all trade lands? Uh, I was okay with either. But it goes back to our previous point, which is, I don't know, man. Like, Lance could be better. If you, I watched a lot of Justin Fields. I only watched a little bit of Trey Lance. Um, I think Trey Lance is more interesting. Yeah, he's definitely... Look... Yeah. I, I enjoyed people clowning on McCorkle Jones last night. That was fun for me. He uh, <laughs> he landed at New England. It's kind of, you know what the Patriots are turning into a little bit? Um, What? <laughs> I didn't have a joke at the ready. Well, what? kind of like the Spurs are now, right? Where the Spurs just got the benefit of the doubt with R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich forever. And it turned out just they having deserved Kawhi. deserved the benefit of the doubt for, for 20 years. They uh, really did. Yeah, I mean they earned it, so yeah. They did, but they've missed 
a bunch now. And they have been out of... It turns out losing Kawhi Leonard, and that Kawhi Leonard trade was objectively terrible. When we look at other returns and what other teams have gotten, like that return was yeah, objectively... Yeah, I mean, he wanted out. I don't know what else they could have done. No, I mean... but I'm just saying like that's still bad. And you look at where they're going and who they've drafted, and it's like, man, they have a lot of first-round picks that just haven't popped. And it shows they're, that, like... I feel like they're they're building a fun, weird team. I, I like mean, they're building a fun, weird team, but they're not I building like, a team that can win a championship, is what I'm saying. And that's what I'm... at the moment, but, like... No, not anytime exactly. soon. Like, there's no one on this roster that profiles there's, as a top no, eight, top 15 player. No, there's... They certainly don't have a Julius Randolph. Let's... let's <laughs> well, I mean, Julius Randall, man, like, we have to reassess what he actually is a player. I am stunned by the growth of Julius Randall. Yeah. I was so wrong about Julius Randle. That's why sports can be fun, man. It's like when yeah. we're wrong about stuff and guys yeah. pop in way later than we ever expected. Like, it's cool. Julius Randle is so fun to watch. And I, I mentioned this during the Great Lost last week episode. It's because he is so anachronistic right now. Granted, he is taking about five to six threes a game and hitting 40%, which is not at all expected or normal from a burly 6'8 power forward but so much of the fun for me in watching Julius Randall is him pulling out the entire Zach Randolph and even dare I say Dirk Nowitzki bag of one-legged fadeaway 20-footers which nobody else does in the league right now. You have to watch a full Knicks game to understand what Julius Randall is and I don't think a lot of people have like you have to watch the Knicks play for maybe even a couple games to really understand where you're like oh my goodness. I've done that. I have done that. I put in those hours, man. He's really fun. He's so much fun. And it's the shocking thing is last year he wasn't a bad player. He was Well, you had somebody different who was doing the same kind of thing, right? Like we forget that Marcus no, Morris was literally was, playing was just, exactly. Yeah. He was a black hole. Every single possession ended up with like seemingly ended up with him coughing up the ball in the lane or bricking those exact same shots that he's taking now. And, you know, you know the old trope about it being a make or miss league, but he's making them. And it is so much fun to watch. And he's also, you know, just he looks like there's a there's a lot of Lamar Odom in his game. And he is picking yeah. out anytime the Knicks get a shooter open on the perimeter, he is finding them. The Knicks lead the NBA in three point percentage since the All-Star break. Hmm. The Knicks over the last 15 games are second in net rating. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow digital workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. 
they have the number three defense and the number two offense. That is insane to me. It's so much fun. Reggie Bullock will take a long two, yes or no, at some point this season. Uh, no, no, he won't. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Reggie, Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock. The weird thing is, like last year, and I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter.com, but last year when they signed him, I thought that's great. That's a good low value signing. I like it. He's a good three and D wing, or you know, serviceable. Yeah. Um, there was a whole point where he made it clear that his name is in fact pronounced Bullock. Wait, is it? That's they repeated this endlessly on MSG broadcast because both Breen and Frazier, Frazier, by the way, we're not going to get on Clyde for mispronouncing names. That's sort of his. We're thing. not going to get on Clyde about anything. We we, we can get on Clyde about things. I don't want to get on Clyde's amazing. We're not going to, but Breen would 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 mm. bork it. Speaking of borking, Breen would would duff it and call him Bullock because yeah. That's what you expect. But he also would correct himself and say, no, actually, Reggie has requested that his name be pronounced the way it is pronounced, which is Bullock. And this year they've just dropped it entirely. And he's back to being Reggie Bullock. <laughs> I'm, I'm baffled by this. I am. I, I have no is idea. Is it the what Thon McCurr syndrome? Because it came yeah. out that Thon McCurr is pronounced McCurr. And people right. were still like, Thon Maker. And you're like, okay, I guess we're just there, dismissing there what he... five yeah. ways to pronounce Nene's name. Oh, is like, it? Yeah. And and somehow all of them are wrong. Interesting. It'll uh, always be maybe or Hilario to me. So, yeah, that's you know. what I said. Like, Nene Hilario. Like, that's, that's, that's who he is. It's either Nene or Nene mm. or, or Nene or it's something. There's we're like getting least... Leo uh, Clyde's name wrong. I don't know. Hmm. No, I don't know. In go any back. case, Sasha Pavlovich was that wrong? Anyone in the MSG organization or mm-hmm. MSG network is watching the episode or listening to today's episode. Please let me know why Reggie Bullock's name is now again Reggie Bullock. Well, it's also more I'm difficult to say, confused. right? Reggie Bullock. You have to pause because you're like it's Bullock, yeah. and it's like it's it's that you get that that plosive end there. It's difficult. I understand yeah. why why the mistakes may have been made but i'm equally confused as to why did they just did reggie just say you know what no one's gonna get this you do what you want i'm confused i want to know inquiring minds want to know yeah um which naturally leads us to the rockets offering naturalist the gm job in 2007 did you see this no is that not wild really Think about how different well, could, the NBA So looks. they said instead of instead of Daryl Morey, Morey, they would have gone with old uh, the players should be played Billis. That's interesting to me. Right? Or Jay Billis. I don't know how it's pronounced. <laughs> it could be anything. Is he still doing the mornings of the rap lyrics every day? Like 5 a.m.? I don't know. I Yeah, I know. Got to get on my grind. I remember that. I remember that quite distinctly. Being like you'd open up Twitter and the first thing is Jay Billis talking about getting on his grind. Yes. Like, I get it. I get it. You're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a daily affirmation. You need to do this. That's fine. I Fine. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll check the timeline later and see what he's up to. I don't know if he'd be a good GM. Like, we really don't know. Like... Uh... <sighs> Who knows? I didn't, you know, back to the Knicks, I certainly had, there was no inclination that Leon Rose would be a particularly good GM. And he's done a solid job. Yeah. Yeah. But that was something interesting. Um, the Andrew moment. The He's not here to discuss Kansas hiring Lance Leopold from Buffalo. 
Uh, oh, Kansas hired Lance Leopold from Buffalo? Mm-hmm. Huh. As a New Yorker, Bob. And, like, you can speak yeah. to this because you're a, you're a New Yorker. You're a Brooklynite. And, you know, sure. Brooklyn, what they love is Buffalo Bulls football, the college <laughs> college game. Buffalo. The, the last name of the Buffalo University of Buffalo is the Bulls? Yes, they are. Why? <laughs> what is a bull? Like, like, I mean, look, say what you will about the professional team naming themselves after a questionable character like Buffalo Bill Hickok, but at least it makes sense. And the Buffalo Sabres, you know, there's a Buffalo on their logo. And I think there's a team called the Buffalo Bison somewhere. Why, why bulls? I don't know. They're the bulls though. So I'm just going to take your, your, just your, your unfamiliarity with their mascot, that you were not uh, grinding the bulls tape. I was not grinding bulls tape. No, this um, is more of a Mark Stein question. He's far more of a Buffalo aficionado than me. Well, I I thought it was interesting because the choice reportedly came down to either Army's Jeff Monken, who runs the triple option better than anybody in college football, or As, yeah, yeah, obviously Leopold. Would uh-huh. you Would you want to see the Jets with Andrew not here? Here's how I can pause it. Here's how I can do oh. this, Bob. Would you Shoot. love watching your team? run the Uh triple option every Saturday to try and grind out a win? Or would you rather a team try and, you know, suck ass for three years and then hope that you've built a solid enough culture to be passable playing a more modern approach? So my choice is a successful, possibly successful retrograde strategy Mm -hmm. that may not be as enjoyable to watch Mm -hmm. or a more pro- more likely scenario is an unsuccessful strategy yes. that is aligned with modern concepts about uh, off- offensive football strategy. Yes. That's a tough one. Can't the triple option be fun? All those guys running around, tossing each other laterals and stuff? Mm. I don't think so. But, you know, um, growing up in Georgia, just, I watched just, a lot of Georgia Tech. They ran the triple option for a long time. Georgia Southern ran it better than anybody in FCS. Uh, it's just, it's just boring. (laughs) There's something really, really boring. Yeah, no, 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 no. Moncton can go sit on attack. Run with, like, get with the times, University of Buffalo Bulls. (laughs) You made the right choice. That's my take. (laughs) That is, uh, the College Football Minute with Bob Silverman. (laughs) Um, Bob, what are your, what? what are your picks of the week? Uh, hmm. Uh, I'm I'm knee deep in trying to finish a story, and I got the jab two days ago, so I have been I have been on my back literally for the last forty eight hours. Ooh, can I tell you something about that? Sorry to interrupt you. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm getting it next week. There's a reason for nice. it. I, I've been able to get it before, but okay. I've been terrified of the first dose knocking me out for a day or two during finals. And all okay. the other stuff going on where yeah. I was like, I just want to get to the end of the semester. And then where if it does knock me down and I'm, I'm taking, out a, taking out a commission for a day or two, then it won't be during the most critical time of the semester. No, you can curl up in bed with a marathon yeah. of queens and just, you know, ride that sucker God. out. There was a really touching episode with Arthur Spooner going yeah. down for heart surgery. Uh, I was watching last night as I was uh, chopping up last night's pod. But uh, yeah. I mean, you love King of Queens. You get it. 
need to find you some better sitcoms. I swear to God, I, there's a non-challenging, fairly reductive entertainment that is better than something in the Kevin James oeuvre. I really feel like that's something I can I can devote serious hours of study and research to and, and make just, your life slightly better. I don't know. Kevin James is just a delightful person to spend time with. Paul Blart. Uh, you do know that. I, no, I'm saying on the television. Mean, uh, it makes you feel up, good. Up. Look, man, times are hard. Whatever gets anyone through the end of the day, I am in no position to judge. Like I said, I will mainline four hours of Triple D on a Friday night (laughs) if left to my devices. Although, look, in my defense, I have picked up many fine cooking tips by watching Triple D. Is that what they call it? Is that what the diehards call it, Triple D? Well, actually, you know, it, it's it's always been diners driving some dies, but the story goes, for all of you to the Guy Fieri lore, <laughs> every episode, again, they do a couple of, you know, quick teaser shots of the restaurants he'll be visiting, and then the final, the final image before the credits, you know, the opening theme song plays, is Guy Fieri driving down that road in a 68 Camaro. And he goes, that's all right here, right now, on diners, drive-ins, and dives. And evidently, he had a lot of trouble saying, diners, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> and it really, so they'd have to do multiple takes, which if you are driving while doing that, I can understand that being a little annoying. So he just saying, that's, now he switched in later years to saying, that's all right here, right now, on Triple D incredible so the show became triple g and they gave when they gave him a supermarket sweep type spinoff show called guys grocery games mm-hmm. the easy it was easy to do because see it's that's then triple g right see there's a rhyming thing uh-huh. which makes it memorable and branded and whatnot yeah huh so what i interrupted you as you were talking about the jab <laughs> what is your pick of the week uh pick of the week there is i mean this is not a fun read by any stretch of the imagination but slate has a story which i I really i think is worth reading um it's reporting about uh this uh there's a writer who wrote the definitive biography of philip roth and now all of the students we taught when he was teaching you know junior high and high school english in louisiana are coming out and basically accusing him of being uh, a predator and a monster who, who groomed all of his young students over the years. It's really seems bad. It's very, very, very bad. <laughs> and, but, uh, the, the reporting is great and the stories are, are, will just, it'll just rip your heart out because, you know, the thing is like all of these kids, many of whom he ended up exploiting really, you know, cared for this guy and felt like he was one of those teachers who we've all had who you connect with in a really deep personal way and feels, you can feel like that teacher really listens to you and, and helps you, you know, not just learn, but grow as a person. We, you know, if you're lucky enough, you'll have one or two teachers like that in your life. Um, and the fact to see that he then would exploit it later on is, is just is is kind of terrifying and horrible and and but it's a it's a very good story um i'm sure if you google any one of those terms you can find it but not that it's a fun read but i would highly recommend it okay when can we uh check out the new piece from oh, uh, mr silverman 
I'm hoping I'm trying to finish soon. I'm soon finished then edits. So soon, soon. Well, stop appearing on fucking podcasts and get back to writing. This is this is, this is good. It allows mm-hmm. it's a mental breath mint. Allows me to clear out the old cobwebs. Oh, and so this is helpful. You do this every week. Football. Is it's it helpful? It's absolutely part of my process. I like it, man. That makes me feel good. There you go. Well, Bob. Okay. Who do you who are you who are you amped for for the Falcons? I'm gonna. By the way, I, I am absolutely watching rounds two and three tonight, so I recommend that as well. Oh, I'm um, not doing that. What? No. 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 Well, congratulations on finishing the semester. Do you know what I'm going to be doing, Bob? I'm going to be turning my brain off because once we uh, wrap up today's three-parter, I'm back to the library finishing up my presentations and my projects, and then I'm done. Like, I'm turning my brain off tonight. Yeah. Let's have a round of applause for the man. I'm halfway done with grad school, Bob. That's great. Mm Mm-hmm. So, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. It is a grind, sir. It is a grind. Do you have your master's? Uh, I have a certificate. I have a post-collegiate uh, certificate. It's not technically a master's program. Um, it is in theater, uh, but it's it's a school outside the U.S. It's the Snooty Clown School that we've talked about. Before. Oh, okay, okay. Did yeah. you did you go to Columbia for undergrad? No, no, okay. I didn't. I went to uh, Haverford College, which is a relatively small liberal arts school in suburb outside in, in on, on the philly main line hmm. um, uh judd nelson went there okay did uh, uh chevy chase briefly and hmm. uh uh free darko founder nathaniel friedman is also an alum interesting okay the more you know now i know now <laughs> i know all right sir well we will end it there for that guy up there in New York City, Bob Silverman, for myself down here in Knoxville, Tennessee, for the... Andrew Hammond, miss, wherever he may be. Wherever he may be. Um, Andrew, we miss you. Hopefully, he'll be back next week. Thank you, as always, and uh, enjoy part two and part three of this episode. But, uh, Bob, talk to you next week. All right, we're back. The Atlanta Sport guy uh, and a girl it's kelsey sutton also here uh kelsey good afternoon how are you i am doing well thank you guys for having me back um i had so much fun the first time so really excited about today all right well we're happy that you're filling in for old max markovich who is just hitting the links i'm going to guess again because that's all he actually does yeah. outside of doing this podcast it seems like that guy laughing. <laughs> also here of 99 The Game, Garrett Chapman. Garrett, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day. It's draft time. It's my favorite time of the year. I, we, uh, the, the draft fatigue can finally move on and we can actually talk about actual picks, you know? It's great. Well, yeah. Kyle Pitts unfollowing and refollowing the Falcons <laughs> on social media is uh, <laughs> kind of throwing It's newsworthy, I guess. <laughs> um, now that we've had... Not 24 hours, but we were able to sleep on the Falcons pick. I think Kelsey and I were kind of aligned as to where we wanted the Falcons to to go and maybe suspected that they might go. Um, Garrett, since you are on the other side of this, where where are you at now with the new number eight Swiss Army knife that will be lined up out wide, not in a tight end fashion for the Atlanta Falcons this fall? 
the offensive weapon, Kyle Pitts. I love it. No, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I mean, I've kind of figured this is the direction they were going to go. Um, I mean, they've been feeling calls or trying to at least, uh, trying to trade back if they could. And it, by all intents that we've saw, I mean, like they would have traded back. Um, but no one offered up enough to actually get them to push back. And they took quite possibly the best player in the draft, not named Trevor Lawrence. That's my opinion. Um, and that's exactly what Terry Fontenot said he was going to do. He said he was going to take the best player available, and that was the approach he was going to take, and he did it. And look, I think this is a, a boat of confidence in Matt Ryan. I think this is Arthur Smith putting his stamp on this team. He says that I'm here now. This team is going to be different. And I think Matt Ryan's going to be the guy to do that for us. And I would have understood if they had taken a quarterback, but I think their guy was Trey Lance, and obviously he went number three. So um, I think that might have changed some things. I don't want to speculate too much, obviously, because, well, we have Kyle Pitts, and I'm really excited about that. I think this offense is going to be dynamic, um, and he he makes the Atlanta Falcons better right now, and I think that's all that really matters. Kelsey, what do you think? Yeah, I was very opposite. Um, I was at the Braves game last night watching the draft, and the, the pick came through, and I, you know, my immediate reaction was I, I cannot believe that this is what they did. Um, and I think that was just, you know, my, my first instinct of, you know, knowing Matt Ryan's age and how much longer we have him, you know, what are we going to do in two or three years? You know, what 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 is the future? And in my brain it was, all right, so they pick Kyle Pitts. Sure, that helps us now, but in what capacity? Score 50 points a game and still mm-hmm. lose because of our defense, you know? Um, so it, I think it was kind of a twofold for me, and I'm the biggest Matt Ryan supporter out there, but I wanted a quarterback just to learn behind him because he is one of the best. Um, and so that was kind of the first piece. And then the second piece was, okay, well, bringing in Pitts, what does that mean for Julio? And and everybody knows that I love Julio as well. Number one supporter there. Um, so I think that's where my negative emotions came from. But as I slept on it, I was like, you know what? He was the best available. Uh, let's rock with it and see what happens. So I'm on board now, was not on board last night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was annoyed last night, but being able to sleep on it and being able to think about where we're at. And now we kind of, I, I'm just happy that we now know where Terry Fonda and Arthur Smith want to go and where they stand with the current makeup of this team, which is um, we think last year was a blip. We think that this offensive line, the resources that have been invested in our offensive line um, is enough to keep Matt Ryan upright for the next couple of years. We believe in Matt Hennessy. We believe in this group that will figure out the other guard spot. But like we believe that we can score enough points. We can reach that 28 points per game plateau that uh, from the pod, Carlos Medina pointed out of just like, you have to get to that number to get in the playoffs um, that they can just get there. And if they can do that, then we'll see what happens. And we'll, we'll roll the dice with Julio Ridley Pitts, Ryan, Mike Davis, and see what happens come playoff time. And there is something calming about just knowing that your team's not going to be going for a rebuild, a painful rebuild where you don't really know what's going to happen because we've seen teams try and do this and it just doesn't go the way you expected it to. And um, I mean, <laughs> the grass is not always greener and Matt Ryan being the greatest Falcons quarterback in history. Um, he, it's kind of cool to see him get a swan song and just, you know, once he's gone, just mm-hmm. really bottom out. Um, which is what's going to happen with this cap sheet and where they're at. It's just they are doubling down on their offense. It kind of reminds me. I, I shouldn't even say it kind of reminds me, but it just 
we now know that they're going to try and do what the Saints did in the last three to four years with Drew Brees. Like, we know that's what they're going to try and do now. And it didn't result in a title for New Orleans, but they were competing. They were competing for NFC title games. They were competing for Super Bowl appearances. And if a bad call doesn't go there against them, then they're in the Super Bowl, and they probably win the Super Bowl that year um, against that Pats team. So I... I'm okay with it. I'm okay if Matt Ryan stays upright. I'm okay if the offensive line is better than they were a year ago. I'm okay if they don't trade Julio and they just invest in this just 11 personnel and having these three out wide. I'm okay if they don't invest any more in the defense because now I want Elijah Moore in round two. Like this, now that we're here, I want them to just go all out of like, we are going to have the number one offensive DVOA in football. That is what we are going to do. The defense is screwed. The defense is going to be bad. <laughs> we know the defense is going to be bad, but let's just go full Mike D'Antoni Phoenix Suns because if I see a heavy defensive side of the draft after this, I'm going to be far more annoyed about what they're doing because there's no path to this defense getting in the top 15 defensive DBA. There's just not. So just double down. If you're taking Kyle Pitts, go Elijah Moore in round two. Go keep adding dudes on offense where it's like, good luck, folks. Good luck. We aren't going to stop anybody, but you know what? We're going to outscore everybody. Just go it's going to be much watched television. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we were actually going to fix all of our our issues in the first round. So it's like, I, I don't know. There are a lot of players still available on the defensive side of the football who could come in and who would have been first-round picks in, in some years. Like, like you look at Aziz Ojolari. He's – the guy who's an absolute freak, he would come in and help this defensive line in this pass rush immediately. Bad knee, and I, he's got a rough knee. But I mean, at the same time, it's uh, I think that's, that's why he slipped. Um, but there are plenty of guys who are available who are going to make this team better. I mean, look, you get Landon Dickerson, Eric. I mean, uh, uh, what was it? Um, Trey Smith from Tennessee. I mean, like you have guys who will make this team better, and you weren't going to fix all those problems in the first round. That number four pick was just going to be the number four pick. Um, and I don't think that would have changed if we had taken a quarterback. I mean, we'd still have all these mm-hmm. issues. Um, it, it, that's why I was a big proponent for trading back. And I think that's why they tried to trade back. Um, that they just didn't get the offer. Uh, that was, but so they took best player available. And I think this team is going to score a lot of points and I'm excited to watch that honestly. Um, but I am a little frustrated. This defense will be frustrated. I think Dean Pease is going to come in and he's, this, he's going to elevate this defense. He just needs a couple more pieces. Um, and I think those pieces are available in the second and third round. Christian Barrymore is, <laughs> if you go defense, like Christian Barrymore is the one who kind of stands out to me. And Kelsey, you're an Alabama person. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you would like that. Him and Grady Jarrett inside. Yeah, I mean, we, did, we didn't take a wide receiver from Alabama. So, we got to mm-hmm. go somewhere else, else you know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, all my friends, all my friends, uh, my, I have this little draft group that we, we all, all we do is just talk draft, basically, or just Falcons football, just in general. Um, yes, Chase, I'm cheating on you with another group text, but no, you're not um, because I, I don't no. even like our own group text. I, I'm not a group text person. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really like texting at all to be completely honest. So the fact that this podcast, uh, being in like, I'm in the sports reporters one, I'm in the balls one, I'm in y'all's like, I'm in a lot of different ones. My family is the, the absolute worst. My uncle's during Tennessee football season. Like, Love my family, oh, but I, I can't do it. I, I hate my phone going off and the, the constant uh, texting. Kelsey, how many group ch- like chats are you in right now? If you had to ballpark it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, group man. chats? Mm-hmm. I would probably say 
between actually texting and just Twitter chats, I'd probably say like eight right now. Okay. I would have gone higher. My girlfriend's got an unreal amount, and I just yeah. learned about this, and I'm just like, how? What? What? How do you do this? Garrett, how many are you in? <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking at my phone right now. So I'm in eight that I've texted or that have been messaged in within the last 12 hours. So mm. I'm in a lot. I'm in a bunch. That's giving me anxiety just <laughs> thinking about it. It's not even my phone. <laughs> I, get I like texting, man. I'm a big texture. But you know, come on. <laughs> no, I'm a phone call guy. Let's just wrap it up. Let's do whatever we need to talk about in this allotted time and let me move on with my day. I'm not a <laughs> let's communicate all day person. That's not something I, I enjoy at all. Yeah, well, I mean, when the conversation strikes, you never know. <laughs> I also love the good surprise phone call where they're like, it's 1.30 in the workday. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm on my walk. Uh, I'm taking a breather from finals. I just uh, wanted to clear something up. And they're like, that's not how this works. You can't just surprise call somebody. And I'm like, no, that's exactly how it works. Is uh, I'm a surprise caller. That's my brand. You should do it as a FaceTime. Surprise FaceTimes are, are intimidating. Ooh. <laughs> I have, fr- I have friends. Oh, no, I have friends who are, who've like all of a sudden got me on FaceTime. Like I was never a FaceTime guy. I don't think I, I, I had FaceTime like maybe twice ever. And it was just because I had to see something in a room or something. Like if I, if I was sending somebody to go pick something up, I'd be like, hey, just FaceTime me when you get there so you get to get the right thing. Um, but now it's like all of my friends now, like I, I've made some new friends and they're big FaceTime people and they FaceTime me now. <laughs> I'm just used to it. That's interesting. Uh, they've broken me. I don't know. I didn't FaceTime my girlfriend. Like I don't, I don't want to FaceTime at all. Like I don't do FaceTime on the Skype call. I don't want any of that. No, I don't want you to see my face. And it's always awkward. It's always like up close, and it's just your weird chin, and nobody looks good from that angle. So I don't, uh, I, don't right. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't maximize my jawline, so it's just gonna be gonna be a no for me, dog. Gonna be a no. <laughs> no. Uh, but I I think it was uh, but the the whole thing was so we were I was in this group text and they uh, and they were all pissed off because we didn't take another Alabama receiver they were shocked because it's <laughs> what is it it's all LSU and, and Alabama wide receivers on this mm-hmm. roster basically it's crazy was it Chase <laughs> there were, or there are a couple Jaylen. of those available <laughs> who was it who dipped out in his family last night oh that was Waddle oh that was Waddle, Waddle, Waddle. Just, he just he stood up and just dipped. <laughs> Those pods were weird. He, he tweeted about it. That he was tweeted funny. about it. He was like, the TV was off. He's like, I'd already hugged him. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he was just ready. Sure. He was like, I'm out. But see, I understand that. That endeared me more to him because as a lifelong anti-hugger, especially like forced hugs from family, like trying mm-hmm. to get out of there, you're just like, we don't need to do this. Just dap me up. Let's just dap everybody up and I'll see y'all <laughs> another night. Like, we don't need to do this whole goodbye, like serious goodbye. It's... Just a Tuesday night dinner at Outback. Let's uh, let's go. We don't need to hug anything. Let's just get out of here. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a hugger, man. I'm a hugger. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have a big hugger. I got to. Oh, I will. Oh, did y'all it. actually? Did y'all see the uh, that that real quick moment? I don't know if they even mentioned it on the broadcast, but they uh, it was when Devonta Smith got drafted and Mac Jones popped his head out. Mm. Did y'all see that? Yes. And that was congratulations. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I keep thinking back to that. I, I'm just a big Mac Jones supporter. I, I just really like the guy. I like all of these Alabama players. And I'm like Kelsey. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Alabama fan. I don't like Alabama very much. It's not my. Don't take it personally. But these Alabama. Oh come on. But <laughs> this batch of Alabama kids. Uh, like Najee Harris, what he did up, he was up in Northern California with the the, the homeless shelter that he he spent a few like spent time in, and he mm-hmm. he did his draft there, 
Um, and then the relationship between Devonta Smith and Mac Jones. And, and I, I don't know, man, I, I just really like this group of Alabama kids. And, and they just, I don't know. Those, that was probably the coolest moment of the draft last night was Najee Harris. Um, and I, 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 I think I tweeted about him just because it's just, he's just such a good kid. And I, I wish nothing but success for that guy. And he's a good football player. <laughs> he's okay. Yeah. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do anything after 35 <laughs> yards, but he's okay. Like, he doesn't have that top end speed, but outside of that, he has literally zero weaknesses. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> that seems like it might not be a problem in the NFL, but we'll see. I mean, he does catch the ball out of the backfield solid, so he might be okay. I, I didn't like that pick. I thought that was one of the worst round one picks. And I also just cannot believe we're still at a point in the year of our Lord, 2021, running backs going in the first round is still just uh, still mm-hmm. just baffling to me. Mm-hmm. I, I, two running backs. Two running backs. The I, I, just, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. Um no, but the Devontae Smith stuff, like, I like the callback there. And when I thought you were going somewhere different, which is Devontae, like, I was rooting for the Dolphins to take him just for the awkwardness of Devontae having to be like, oh, too, I was just kidding. Like, I, I, you, I, you know how I feel about you. I always thought you were better than Mac because Devontae was the dude who <laughs> right, said that right. Mac was better than Tua. And there was a chance that that went mm-hmm. that way. And I would bet anything that that was part of the reason that Waddle is a Dolphin. It, not Devonte Smith is because yeah. of that dynamic, and I'm sure too it was like, nah, he's not for me anymore. Like, <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> well, I mean, I'll, you can't really fault the guy. He won a Heisman Trophy with Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the same thing. <laughs> well, that was the other thing about the draft too. Is I was thinking about it, and I was talking to some friends uh, where I was like, I mean, the Dolphins have to consider Mac or Fields here, like Fields especially, because Tua is maybe the worst quarterback starting quarterback going into next year in the NFL like that is a possibility that he is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL next year because it you it sounds crazy got face value but then you look at it and you're like okay who who are you taking him over right now like starting day one this fall who are you taking over to a tongue of or to who are you taking um as to a being better than quarterback x look around Andy the league Dalton. I don't know who it is <laughs> Andy Dalton up in Chicago no, he won't I mean I guess but feels like eat him out and I'd still rather roll the dice on Fields. Yeah. Fitzpatrick will be starting in Washington. Fitzpatrick is a better quarterback. We saw it last year. And you, like, you just go up and down the list and you're like, oh, man, like there's a strong possibility that Tua Tungaviola is the worst quarterback in football this fall. I know I just really hurt Kelsey. I don't know. She's just like at a loss. I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for Kelsey to respond to that one. I don't know. That's That's your... <laughs> That's Alabama that's a, territory. That's my guy. I I don't I I I'm not sure what my thoughts are that. I I know his offense was terrible last year, so I don't know if it's fair to judge him based on the play calling and what he had, but you might be right. I don't know. He's also I, injured. I can't, I can't accurately answer that. He was hurt. I mean, I guess I it's mean, maybe him or Carson Wentz. He was it's hurt, probably somewhere yeah. around there. It's like either yeah. him, Wentz, Drew Locke. It's one of those. Three. Hey, I think actually, I think Wince is going to have a great year. I think Wince is going to go out and throw for 35 touchdowns. Hold on. Hold on. 10, 12 interceptions. No, I think it's <laughs> I, no Frank Reich. He's going back to Frank Reich's With offense. All where due he, was respect, an MVP, he was an MVP candidate um, back in what tw- was 2017. And before he tore his ACL uh, against the Rams, he was an MVP candidate in Frank Reich's offense. That was he. Frank Reich was the reason they won that Super Bowl or one of the big reasons why. And he's going back into that offense, back into somebody who knows him. Um, and I think it's a great fit. So I think he's going to be he's going to be a sneaky good pick uh, for like fantasy football quarterback next year. How much? Be honest. 
Garrett. How much of this is just the the brotherhood of the red hair army? How much of it is that for you? Red hair? Yeah. I don't have red hair. What do you have red hair. <laughs> I don't. I got like... I'm dirty blonde. What are you talking about? No, you're about? strawberry. No. <laughs> I pulled up Carson oh, Wentz and you. Y'all look alike. You kind of look alike. I'm, I'm going to Google a picture of Carson Wentz because I don't know about that. I've always said you're the Carson Wentz of this podcast, Garrett. People forget, but I've always said it. It's it's The, near, the near MVP candidate. Um, oh, he's like ginger. Yeah, almost. you're ginger. You're, I'm, I'm not ginger. Are you yeah. not ginger? <laughs> no, not at all. I have heard that before. I have heard that like people have thought that I've had I had had red hair depending on the the I guess the the lighting or something. I don't yeah. know. I I definitely don't. <laughs> I would have marked you down about. as ginger. Uh, well, that's a first. That, that's something I've learned today. There you go. The the podcast is all about learning and expanding and growing as a person. <laughs> and now I know I can go into my weekend knowing that uh, Garrett is actually not a, a ginger. Um, <laughs> the more you know, man. The more you know. The more you know. Um, <laughs> the Braves have technically righted the ship. Kelsey, you were there last night. How are you feeling about the current state of the Atlanta Braves? Can we lower the panic meter? Um, I, I'm very confused by the Braves, to be honest with you. I mean, thankfully, I guess the NL East is equally as bad the other teams. Um I just I I'm very confused by the Braves um, with with all the injuries. I guess it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, last night obviously wasn't a great game with with Bryce on the mound, but um, I think the Braves are going to be okay. To answer your question, I think we can pack back off the panic button a little bit with them. Interesting. I don't know. What do you guys think? I. I just think it depends on how you view them. It's like what lens you're looking at the Braves at. Do you look at them as a, they should still be the favorite to win the NL East? Then yes. There's no panic mm-hmm. there. I think that they should still be okay and win the NL East. Do I think we should look at them as a contender? No. They're just, they're not even close to what a contender looks like. Not even right. close to the Dodgers and the Padres. Like it's just right. a night and day, just different thing. Um so I don't know. Like, can they be where the Brewers are, the Cardinals, the Mets? Like, yeah, they're in that conversation somewhere in there. It's just a different tier. So it depends. Like, you're going to be unhappy if you want the Braves to win a World Series this year. Like, you're, you're right. if you want the Braves to be good, pseudo contend, then you'll be happy. But if you want the the big World Series type thing, then you're. I, I just suspect you're going to be disappointed. Garrett, what do you think? I think it's premature to say that we're not a World Series contender because we absolutely are, in my opinion. That's where I stand on it. Um, but you don't seem very just... definitive. Can you? Can you? <laughs> we're still a World Series contender. I mean, and I think really the number one thing that the person who hasn't really been getting a lot of love was the guy that you and Max were crapping on just like three weeks ago. And I told mm. you, hey, slow down. This is the year he's going to turn it around. Austin Riley, take a look at it. What was it? It's his last nine games. Yeah, he's batting. I, I just pulled it up. Four sixty-two, three mm-hmm. home runs, six RBIs, seven walks. Do you know what the best part? He only has seven strikeouts. He's turning it around. He's actually figuring it out at the plate. That's what it seems like, and I think that is really the most encouraging thing that we've seen. Plus, Marcelo Zuna is turning it around. He's starting to hit the ball. Freddie Freeman starting to hit the ball. Uh, Ronald Acuna is continuing to hit the ball at a, at an incredible pace. I mean, this this offense is coming around, and really, that's the most important thing. 
Like I was there on uh, what was the other day? Wednesday. I was there on Wednesday. Uh, uh, Dansby Swanson. He's had, he's getting good contacts. He's just getting kind of unlucky. He had I think he lined out three times, and it's just directly to the shortstop. Like it's just unlucky. Um, I just and, wish he could only hit seventh inning on. I wish there was a rule where you had someone else hitting. <laughs> that guy gets clutch, man. Yeah, like I just I don't want him hitting first through six innings, and then uh, he can come in after that. I wish there was a rule, just but, the Dansby rule. He's not allowed to hit before the seventh. <laughs> but the, the, what I'm saying is, is the batting is coming around. The bats mm-hmm. are coming around. What we're waiting on is just this pitching staff to get healthy. I mean, look, we have Max Fried, who should be coming back soon. He is a, a potential Cy Young candidate. You have Soroka, who's a potential Cy Young candidate when he's healthy. Are we These sure guys Soroka's aren't pitching. Back, nah, I don't know when. He's got inflammation in his shoulder. I think the, the reports are he could be coming back middle of the month, next month, maybe end of May, which is really where I was putting him anyway. Uh, and, well, I mean, Yawaskar, you know, it's, it's the, the guys like that are giving me confidence in this team. Uh, that he doesn't necessarily have to rush back because we have plenty of games. We're still winning baseball games. We're first place in the National League East. We're going to be first. fine. Well, tied for first, yeah. But look, I mean, this, we're still the best team in the NL East. Get to the playoffs. We'll figure it out then. But this this rotation, it's going to get better. Smiley hasn't been healthy. you got to give him some time. And Morton's I, been I'm, good. And you have been solid. Like I yeah. like Morton, and also just we haven't even talked about it, but Ian Anderson's been the biggest gem. Like Ian Anderson, he's a stud. He's another level. Yeah. Like that. If yeah. they did not have Ian Anderson pitching the way he is, um, things would be very different. I mean, the runs against scare me. One nineteen, okay. most in the NL East. Um, the Mets historically just unreal bad offense. Like they have scored fifty seven runs in comparison. The Braves have scored one hundred seventeen. Same amount. Like it's insane wow. how bad the Mets offense has been this year and they're still 500 like the Mets are coming they're only giving up 70 runs like their differential is not terrible like the Mets are coming the Phillies I don't believe in at all I think they're gonna fall they're gonna fall back the Nationals I think is gonna continue to get worse the Marlins have actually been okay they'll probably flirt around 500 all year but I do think the Mets are coming and I think it will come down to the Braves and Mets because I just don't think this historically bad offensive run is going to continue and I think their pitching staff and their bullpen is just better but we shall see but I'm not. I'm nowhere near worried yet. I'm not I mean, worried. If, I'm still enjoying no. it. It's it's been. Fun. I'm having fun. Look, I'm I'm ready to go back to another game. I love going <laughs> to games. Plus, the last time I went, we won ten nothing. I'm so excited about that. By the way, I am so excited. I'm ready to get back to just because uh, I was over at the Atlanta United game too, and they're they're coming back full capacity too, yeah. right around that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelsey, I think you were at that game too. I think we were both at that game. Yeah. The one, the 3-1 the, game? Um, yes, the 3-1 game. Dude, that was fun. That was a great game. That was so much fun. Oh, that was so I'm much just... fun. That atmosphere is unreal. Dude, it felt like we were back to normal just for like a split second. That Just like Atlanta United, that is. Atlanta United, it's like the fans and everyone and, and the team was playing well. And then all of a sudden, Philadelphia Union come to town and we just fall apart. But, man. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, I'm hijacking. Chase, go ahead. No, this is all good. I didn't have Atlanta United in the rundown, but that is the most fun experience. Like, it's hard to tell people that are not from Atlanta where I'm like, they're like, oh, what's the best game to go to? And I'm like, I would say Atlanta United's the most fun. It's not even really close. Like, oh, I, if I had God. to choose of the four, I'm going to Atlanta United game for sure. See, I'm lucky enough my older brother had, or he has season tickets. He was one of the founding members back in 2017. So mm-hmm. he's had them forever. Um, he moved to Nashville. Uh, just last year, so all of his tickets got pushed to this year. So he just gave them to my brother and I. So I get free tickets oh. to every game. Oh man, I'm so excited! 
Nice. Yeah. I like it. Well, well, when I'm back in Atlanta, I'm gonna too, hit up Garrett so. and Kelsey. You're in Atlanta. Hit Garrett up. Do not make. Do not be paying for stuff. Being on this podcast, <laughs> hit him up. Now you know. It's not even his tickets. Well, they are my tickets. Well, we've got season tickets too. So, oh, well, Kelsey, that's more reason for it. We'll grab a beer next game or something. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. I like that. <laughs> uh, look at the Chase Thomas podcast. We bring in the people together. We bring <laughs> new friends together. Um. The last thing I want to talk about, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, still in that middle range. Uh, Chris Dunn actually appeared because I had just completely written him off ever appearing in 2021. He is here and not good, um, which was something I was worried about. Um, Kevin Herter. I just, I can't understate how much it bothers me that he got hurt and the shoulder sprain because he has seemingly figured it out and I've really enjoyed watching Herter over the last few weeks. And just the kind of way like his cj mccollumness poor man cj mccollumness that he plays i i've enjoyed all of it and i was like maybe this could be real maybe this could be real it just needs to be sustained and he is someone who has struggled with little knickknack injuries throughout his career which drives me nuts and i'm sure drives him nuts but now that he is out what what does this mean garrett for the hawks I mean, it's just such a bummer man i mean it's just been the the story of the season this team cannot stay healthy and as soon as players start coming back, someone else gets hurt. And it's just so frustrating because this team, we've seen what they've been able to do when they're even just sort of healthy. But we go out and make all these moves, and we haven't even seen every single player that we acquired this offseason and retained last year. We haven't had a, a full, a clean bill of health one game all season. And that is so frustrating because this team is a four seed or a five seed potentially. Uh, when we have injured players and I just desperately want to see what this team looks like. And I don't think we're ever going to see that. Um, But the important thing is that Trey gets healthy and, and we get as healthy as possible going into the playoffs. Cause this team is going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a four five, six seed. I I pretty, I mean, that's pretty much set in stone, right? just about. Um, So Mm -hmm. just get healthy, get healthy. I want to see this team at least win a couple games in the playoffs. That's really all I care about. And if we can jump in that four or five spot, I, maybe we can win a playoff series. Well, Max uh, is back talking himself into winning the East. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about all that. But look, this team is good enough to win a playoff series, and it's good enough to win a couple games in the second round. Um, it's just, damn it, they needed to get healthy. <laughs> Come on, it's yeah. so frustrating. Kelsey, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I so. The last time I was on, we were talking about, you know, expectations for the Hawks now that, you know, Nate McMillan has taken the reins. And I think consensus, we were all pretty excited and we're saying that um, we expect big things from them. And I would have to say, from what I've seen, you know, that still holds true. And out of really all the teams in Atlanta right now, I think I'm most excited about the Hawks, but share the frustration of just, you know, them not being healthy. And it really sucks. And it is a huge bummer because, what I've seen so far, I've loved ever since McMillan took over. Um, they, Sarah Spencer, she came out today and said the team said that he's day-to-day now, which I think is probably best-case scenario, um, that it's not something more long-term. Um, so, yeah, I mean, huge bummer, but hopefully he can recover quick and get back in the lineup because I think, I think he's a great player. I just – whatever we got to do with Bogey. Put him in bubble wrap. I'm okay shutting yeah. him down for the rest of the season <laughs> just to get him to the playoffs because Bogey's the most important player to the Sox team. Like, he is the most important player. He and Capella just... 
I I mean those two. I mean there seems like there's another guard who factors in every now and then, um, <laughs> but my eyes are all on Bogey. They were all on Bogey, Herder, and Capella. Those three just keeping the Hawks afloat. Just those three. I cannot be any more clear. Just those three <laughs> players kept the Atlanta Hawks rolling. To they hate like, it strong in you. <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. Like, Bogey being healthy has just been my favorite part of the season. Like, Bogey and Herter's been the yeah. subplot. Capella just being awesome. Like, I, I, if I could just pull out all my legal pad notes on Clint Capella being like, it's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, sure. Capella just, he's a delight. I love watching <laughs> Clint Capella. Um, but... You know, I think this team, like Garrett said, they just they got to get healthy. But Bogey is the one who scares me because he took he was out for so long. And this was just a different team without Bogey. Mm-hmm. Bogey in the starting lineup is just critical for this team. Um, when they all get healthy, that is something I'm also kind of concerned about. Like the, Nate McMillan has some tough, tough rotation questions. He's going to have to think about um, Reddish mm-hmm. is nearing uh, getting back into workload. I got an email from the Hawks about that. Like, I think it was like yesterday. Oh, so mm-hmm. we'll see about Reddish. Um, I haven't heard anything. I, I don't know. Like, it's just going to be a lot of dudes. Like, he is, is it bad? To... Is it bad that I almost completely forgot about Cam Reddish? Yes. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like, I mean that in the I mean, nicest in the nicest possible way. But like, he is just right. not even in my mindset when I think about the Atlanta Hawks right now. I mean, he's he's hurt. Yeah. I mean, Hunter's hurt. And I'm thinking about that. That's like, all right, when he comes back, this team is going to elevate. I, I think it's just because really Hunter was a different player when Cam he was Reddish. not no? hurt. We haven't seen it from Reddish this year. That's really all it is. I haven't seen anything from Cam Reddish. I don't think – have we seen anything at all ever? I just kind of forgot about him. And I, that, and that's and that's kind of unfair to him because, I mean, I want to see him elevate, and I still think he can. He's got all the talent in the world. But, my God, just shut him down for the rest of the season. We'll see what he can do next year. I mean, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned, mm-hmm. it's kind of harsh, but I don't know. That, that brutal to my guy Cam, like as a <laughs> lifelong Cam Reddish stan on this podcast, and someone who just bangs the gavel of everything about the Hawks comes down to what Cam becomes. Um, you know, I I don't know. I'm kind of with you on shutting him down. Like I want Gallinari shut down for the remainder of the season. Like we don't need any more Gallinari. Solomon Hill backup for <laughs> no more of this. Collins and Hill are the backup. Like that and uh, Unkongwu too. Like that's that's what I would prefer. Gallinari, no, do not want it. Um, I just, Nate McMillan, the book on McMillan has been the postseason issues. And that's part of the reason he's lost multiple jobs. Um, he's a great regular season coach, but there are limitations to what he does in the playoffs. So I don't know if that's going to be the case with the Hawks this year, but I do want to see it because he's still the interim. Like, I don't know for sure that he is the right man for the job going forward. Like, I think he's done a great job this regular season. But we'll see how the playoffs work. And like Garrett said, like I just want to see it. Like that's the stuff. Is I just it's yeah. hard to right. hard to forecast until I just see what he does, see what adjustments he makes, see what happens if he goes down 0-2 against the Knicks, see how he game plans against Julius Randle, if that's the case. Um like I, I want to see what he does. Um but we'll we'll just have to we'll have to get there. It's just nice to know that playoff basketball will be back in Atlanta. Do we know if they're gonna do full capacity right. for the Hawks, if they're doing Atlanta United, they're they're following the lead of the NBA. I think the NBA is doing it that way, so I think they're trying mm-hmm. to keep it pretty consistent. Uh, if they do full, but it's also it, it's the uh, it's smaller than the bin. I guess the bins technically you can open it up, 
theoretically, um, because it's like the yeah. open air compared to State huh. Farm Arena, which obviously yeah. is right on top of each other with that. Right. But maybe that factors into it. I don't know if it does or not. Uh, hopefully they open it up because I really want to go to a game. Uh, I mean, I I was able to go to one at one point, but hopefully mm-hmm. I can go to another soon. Plus a playoff game. I'd love that. Maybe go up to Madison yeah. Square Garden. Ooh, I hope they play the Knicks. That's, that's an excuse for me to go to, to New York if I can. Because there's no other excuses for going to New York City other than I got to go see the Hawks play. <laughs> that's an excuse to go see a game at Madison Square Garden. You know, it's like, come on. If you could go see a playoff basketball game at Madison Square Garden, would you say no? I was on the fence about ever visiting Brooklyn or Manhattan. But, you know, the Atlanta Hawks were coming to town. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. I guess there are other reasons to go up yeah. there. But. Uh, I like it. You're looking at New York like Boise State. Like, I enjoy it. It's, it's incredible. See, that's the thing. Georgia Southern was playing at Boise State. They were supposed to this past fall. And that was going to literally – I was planning on flying out to Idaho to go watch Georgia Southern play on that blue field. Because oh, I have no other awesome. reason to go do that. It would have been so cool. But obviously uh, – Are they rescheduling? The, I hope so. I, I haven't seen anything yet. But I hope they reschedule. Because that would be a great game of group of five teams. I mean, that would just be a great game. I would know, um, I would tune in for Kennesaw Tech this fall. That Kennesaw's playing at Tech, like yeah. I I think Kennesaw has a real shot at beating Tech, and I would love to be there for that. Um, that would just be just be incredible. Triple option beating <laughs> Tech, like the the irony, just uh, oh unreal. god, uh, I'm here for <laughs> the it. kick in the face. Yeah, um, Kelsey, <laughs> as we wrap up here today, the Gulch getting a revamp. Are you are you excited? How pumped are you about the Gulch becoming another outdoor shopping mall? Oh my gosh, the Gulch! I I think I tweeted about it. I'm I will mourn the Gulch. Like the memories I have down in that dirty parking lot, and <laughs> they're they're just they can never be replaced. They can never be replaced, and it's. Oh man, it's it's where you just felt so alive and you felt like the Falcons actually had fans that wanted to celebrate <laughs> and it's before Atlanta United games and oh man, I'm gonna miss it so so much. Um yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I didn't read how long it's gonna take for all that to happen, but I mean Atlanta's just booming so much, I guess they're doing what they gotta do. <laughs> well Atlanta does things quickly. So if there's one thing we know for sure, it's the Gulch yeah. is getting done within like six <laughs> months. There's no way that that drags out for seventeen years. There's there's no way. <laughs> yeah, no way at all. I just I, like when you drive around the lack of potholes, the perfect roads, the the beautiful scenery <laughs> all around everywhere. Like I, exactly. I just my, I have my exactly. doubts that the Gulch will take some time. Garrett, what do you have any Gulch memories? Oh, man, I have so many Gulch memories. I mean, well, 92.9, I used to do promotions and everything, so I was down there literally every single home game just about. And just the way that place just exploded for Atlanta United, it was just such a special thing. And I'm really going to miss that just because it's – everyone's just like in this concrete pit basically all together getting drunk and uh, and celebrating and shooting off all of the the, uh, the sparklers and everything. And it was just so much fun. And – I have, like Kelsey said, I mean, I have so many memories down there. It's just a, it was a special place, but I'm really excited for what they're going to be building. And I think it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a great addition to the area. Um, and it'll give you something to do that. It's like to go bars and restaurants and shopping and other things to yeah. do, make it a 365 day a year, kind of like the battery. 
Um, I and I think it's going to be a good station. And I was going to be like, oh, yeah, noted lover, noted th- fun thing to do. <laughs> Atlantic Station. Hangout spot. Yeah. Station. Hey, I love Atlantic Station. It's, I, do I, I do really? like Atlantic I do. I live right next to Atlantic Station. I'm up there every now and then. They, they just opened up a new brewery up there. It's kind of cool. I just, I, I would know. never trust someone who's like, hey, you want to go hit up Atlantic Station tonight? I'd be like, no. <laughs> Are you like, what? I can't say I've actually ever hit it up. Yeah. Quote unquote. <laughs> love to go out with the I've fellas. Gone and there. Go, uh, <laughs> love to hang out with the fellas and do some Cirque du Soleil mixed in with some. <laughs> Hey now, don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on it. But it's it's. I mean, eh, it's all right. I, I can fun. absolutely sleep on it, Garrett. What are you talking about? This is the most terrifying personality trait I have learned about you on this very podcast. That Garrett's a big Atlantic Station guy. Like, well, I live next to it, so that's why. Well, I went from being a ginger now to an Atlantic Station aficionado. So. I mean, I think there's Which probably a worse? direct correlation between people that believe in Carson Wentz and also love going to Atlantic Station. I think those two go hand in hand. Like, I, I, uh, I mean, it. it's it's a fine place. I like it. I don't mind it. He's really not going to back off this corner of just the Atlantic Station's a fine place. But I just, just let him have it. Just let I, him have it. It's fine. I will say, this is what I'll let you have, and we'll end with this. There's one little great spot. There is actually a really cool little art exhibit like below um, Atlantic Station where that little, um, I forgot what it was called, but I went to it a couple of years ago. Um, on, I took an off day and just went to an art exhibit over there. It, uh, <laughs> it's by the, 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 the thing, uh, what is it called? Oh my God, uh, Atlantic Station art exhibit. This is going to drive me nuts. Have y'all been? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Is that where they had, uh, they had the no. bodies exhibit there? No, it's not. A is it that spot? Uh, what was that? Gonna... Is that venue? What is it called? It has right. like a, it looks like something out of Rome. It's in Latin. There's like a little bridge by itself over there. Millennium oh. Gate Museum. That's what it is. Millennium Gate Museum. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the big arc. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the arch. Yeah. Yeah, I like going down there. That That's that's what I'll give you. That That's it. That's, that's all I'll give you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll take it. Yeah. That's generous. I mean, it was generous. I, it, you know, hey, I had a great first date there. We both brought each other books for that we thought the other person would like um so you know wow good memories yeah i mean we're not together anymore, huh. so i guess it didn't it didn't work out but uh, <laughs> hey leave the leave the memories alone as i say uh kelsey do you have anything you would like to plug as we wrap up here today um yeah i guess just follow me on twitter kelsey tay sutton and for some some hot takes on our atlanta sports and yeah fun times over there <laughs> we're always having fun in atlanta sports like it's the the culture of winning oh, yeah. everyone's having fun no one's just losing their minds and also no one is mansplaining to kelsey on twitter.com what the falcons yeah. should do in her opinions yeah it's oh, a great gosh. place <laughs> that never happens that never happens so it's, we stay it's positive <laughs> yeah well i appreciate you making the time kelsey garrett what can we look out from you is there anything you would like to plug as we wrap up yeah, I, uh, so I'll be bringing out some uh, day two and day three draft coverage on 92.9 The Game's website. We're going to be sharing it on the on our Twitter page, and I will always be sharing it on mine, at GChapATL on Twitter. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's second round starting 7 o'clock. It's going to be a busy next two days. I think we're going to be – the Atlanta Falcons are going to be a better football team tomorrow than they were today, and that makes me happy, and that should make every Falcons fan happy. All right. Well, go check out – Garrett and Kelsey on Twitter.com and everywhere else. 
Guys, thank you so much for making the time. Kelsey, thank you so much for filling in for Max Markovich, wherever he is on the links, probably just thinking about uh, the Hawks winning the East as a probably psycho. Probably a water hazard. Yeah, and then, you know, for that guy down there in Atlanta, living his best Atlantic Station life, like a monster. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, guys, and uh, Thanks, talk guys. to you guys very soon. We're back. It's time for Rocky Top. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's rock. I don't even know. Wait, I, I just rebrand all the time because it's finals week here at UTK and next week. So nothing really matters. Just getting through surviving. Someone else who is surviving here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Ryan Shumpert is here. Ryan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on. Like, uh, you kind of went with the lead, and it's kind of the same thing I'm feeling. Just kind of trying to stay above water right now and get through finals and cover a, another home Tennessee baseball weekend. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, weird loss to Lipscomb this week. Uh, I guess it happens from time to time. Uh, someone asked me whether or not I thought that Vitello was going to leave for Texas A&M. Have you heard anything on that? No, not in any great detail. I, I would kind of be surprised if he goes to A&M, to be yeah. completely honest. I wouldn't say it's completely out of the picture, but I think that LSU job uh, would be one that's more to watch. And maybe not that there's not any job insecurity there, but Ole Miss, Arkansas, those, those kind of jobs I think are more uh, in the long term. But I think jobs that would be more likely Vitello would leave for, I, I'd be, I would be pretty surprised if he left this offseason and took the Texas A&M job. Okay. Someone asked me about it, and I didn't really have an answer. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. I'll ask Ryan about it. Um, Caleb Trimbley, they added some guy from USC. Uh, what do we make of another defensive lineman? Rodney Garner can uh, work with this spring and summer. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely good to add a body, and you kind of saw Isaac Washington hit the transfer portal, I think, a couple hours after uh, Trimbley got in the boat. So you kind of see them bring another body in as, as they – lose one there's obviously washington was suspended all uh spring is his true freshman year due to that incident in stokely that caden salter was involved in as well Trent, when you look at caleb tremblay hasn't done a whole lot at usc i know he's a he was a big time recruit coming out of high school his best season was in 2019 just had 16 total tackles no sack or two sacks that season no sacks uh last year so i don't think it's a, a huge instant impact guy but a guy that provides another body and you know you never know a guy that's was obviously clearly had a lot of talent coming out of high school, has been able to play a little bit at USC. You wonder if a new uh, location and a new coach, and obviously Rodney Garner, a very established and uh, long tradition of uh, doing great things on the field coaching. So you wonder if that new uh, setting kind of gives him a fresh start. But on its surface, I don't think it's a, a massive addition for Tennessee. Yeah, just more depth. This whole spring and summer should just be about adding depth. Um, and, you know, that's good. Um Orange and white game, fallout. Everyone was excited. Pace, obviously the leader in all of this when people are looking at how fast Tennessee is going to be playing this fall. Very different than the Jim Cheney offense. Um, Brian Maurer looked the best. I think it's fair to say Hendon Hooker more of a horizontal guy versus vertical, but we kind of knew that. Joe Milton entering the fray. We'll have to see how much he factors in the summer. Um, what, do you, what do you make of the quarterback play and where things stand post-orange and uh, white game? Yeah, well, what stood out to me, I guess, is what you saw Harrison Bailey be able to do. And I think 
a lot of that you take with tempered expectations because a lot of the time I think he was running with the third team and wasn't playing against as good as competition as the other two quarterbacks were for the most part. But still what he did was really impressive. And when, you know, kind of going into the game, it almost felt like Harrison Bailey may be looking to transfer this summer. He'd been, I know both, both you and I were at the open practice. He was really buried on the depth chart that day. Got, I thought, into live action a lot less reps than both Hooker and Mauer did. But it kind of feels like after his performance, he's he's in it for a long haul and then at least till the fall. So I think that's a good sign for Tennessee. There's nothing, you know, good that comes from him transferring. I don't think it would be the end of the world if he transferred by by any means. But I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think Milton's going to have as good a chance as anybody because I think, like you said, the staff's been a little disappointed with Hooker being more of a side-to-side passer, some of his struggles getting the ball down the field. And I think Brian Maurer, just inconsistency continues to be a, a theme for him, both in practice and obviously we've seen it uh, in games plenty of times when he's gotten action. So I think the opportunity is there for Milton to, to take the starting job. But, you know, consistency wasn't Milton's strength last year starting in Michigan either. So I really think it's, for the most part, still pretty wide open. But I don't think uh, anyone has really taken reins of the job after, after the spring practice. Juwan Mitchell on the way. What do we know about him? Yeah, well, I think that's a, you know, it's a tremble, not a huge get. I think Mitchell's a really big get for this team. And you look at how much Tennessee lost a linebacker with Henry Toto, Kavars Crouch, Aaron Beasley looks questionable to be back on the team. JJ Peterson transferred. I mean, they, you know, we've joked about it, but one of us is going to have to suit up there yeah. next year. And you bring in a guy that's been a real, I think, has more tackles probably in his career than the rest of Tennessee's linebackers combined, maybe double, honestly, had a really good season last year, had 62 tackles with a starter for Texas. You know, not where Tremblay was a guy that was at a big school and kind of struggled to get consistent playing time. Here's a guy that had a lot of it and was a really solid player for Texas. And I think it's a really, really good get for Tennessee, just period. And then you look at all the uh, instability they have at linebacker and what a massive question mark that is. I think it's really would, would just be a massive get and, I think uh, something that we'll see here in the next few days. Yeah, I, you know, any linebacker depth is good. <laughs> just the quotes after um, the game with Heupel and certain people talking about it. It's just like, uh, we're making it work with what we have. And that's just kind of where they are. Um, Crouch ended up at Michigan State. That was like kind of a dirty little secret. Michigan State insiders had expected this for a while. He'd been in kind of communication with this group. Like it was, this was just like a foregone conclusion where it was like, unlike Toa where who knows still um but crouch to msu what do what do they lose because he was kind of a divisive figure for tennessee last year i mean i think you lose a body but yeah i mean i don't mean to be mean to kavaris crouch or anything but i i don't think he was very far from a productive player last year now that was his first year playing inside linebacker obviously he was a he earned his reputation as a really big recruit as a running back and played outside linebacker his freshman year at Tennessee. But, I mean, put pretty plainly, he struggled really badly at times last year, and especially in the past. He really, really got picked on in the past. Both him, Jeremy Banks did, and Toto wasn't great in that fashion either. But he was definitely the worst one and was, like I said, not a very good player for Tennessee. But, again, it was his first year playing inside linebacker. You wonder, as he gets more used to position, how much better can he get? And, like we were just talking about, Tennessee is in desperate need of bodies at linebacker. So I do think Crouch would have certainly factored into what Tennessee wanted to do. But at the at the end of the day, I don't think you're losing a, a high-level player. And of all the things 
all the players Tennessee's lost had transfer away this offseason. I don't think that's the one you really need to feel like you're kicking yourself if you're a Tennessee fan. No, no. Um, when do we think Toto is going to make a decision? Like, it seems like it's still Alabama for him, but nothing's really popped up. It seems, for, I mean, I'm, obviously this is just kind of, I don't have any inside scoop or anything, but it seems to me like Alabama's not going to take him. They've kind mm. of moved on from him. So, Ohio, I know there was some rumblings out there earlier this week about Ohio State. I don't know if, obviously there was never an announcement there. I don't know if anything, that smoke went away or what the deal was with that, but I think that's the place to, to watch for him. And I would think he'd be looking to make a decision here, right? I mean, any time now, he's, I think he'd be wanting to roll and get into classes for summer school and being uh, wherever he ends up at on June 1st, ready to, to start summer uh, summer workouts and summer conditioning. So I would think you'd be seeing a decision pretty soon. And like you said, it's kind of been a, an odd situation as it's just kind of lingered out there for three months now, I guess. I mean, it's it's uh, it's definitely not been your typical transfer situation. No, no, it hasn't. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, but I don't know. The defense is something that I just, it, it, I'm not really concerned. Defense looks bad. We don't have a lot of depth. Like, the offense is just going to do... Like, this is going to be a really high-scoring affair. Um, what do you make of the, the home-and-home home series that's not going to happen with West Virginia? Instead, we're going to do a 2028 game in Charlotte. I just... I, we've talked about this before on this podcast, that what is the point? Like, we understand it's a money thing, but, like just do a home and home like morgantown knoxville like why why are we not doing it i mean I, i'm still more pro like bristol every three years and a home and home with virginia tech we're just too close and that, that's just a natural out of conference power five rivalry that we could just do just do it it's fun fans would like it everyone no one's against any of that but uh sometimes it's just the obvious thing is not the thing that any of these programs do which drives me up the wall ryan <laughs> but what, what do you make of the uh, addition of West Virginia to the rotation starting in 2028. Yeah, no, I think my first thought was just kind of funny. Right in the 10-year anniversary at the beginning of the Jeremy Pruitt era, at the same spot that it began in the yeah. same team. We'll see how many coaches uh, Tennessee has removed from Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> in 2028. I'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But no, I mean that's the way Tennessee's schedule and future scheduling has been. I think has been really disappointing and. I think some fans don't want Tennessee to, you know, I know fans when Tennessee rescheduled that home-and-home with Oklahoma weren't excited, partly because Tennessee had just played a home-and-home with them and partly because Oklahoma was so good. But, I, you know, I I want to see the big-time matchups, even, you know, if Tennessee's losing those games. I think those are exciting and you need to schedule for those. And you the Baker look at game what, was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was an incredibly fun game. And even the, the game the year before at, at Oklahoma, I think Justin Worley almost got murdered that game how many times he took uh he got sacked and what was that outside linebacker's name striker i think for mm-hmm. oklahoma maybe i uh, maybe I'm, I'm i don't know maybe i'm just envisioning that but i think he almost murdered murdered justin worley that game but that was even an exciting game for uh and a good road trip for tennessee fans to go on so and you look at what tennessee has scheduled in the future byu they have the home and home in nebraska which is a fun one that i think is a great matchup for tennessee to have because it kind of combines you know not a super hard matchup like oklahoma or michigan or notre dame or any of those teams but a, a big time storied power that tennessee hasn't played a home and home with in, in a long time at least if they ever have i'm not aware of the time they have but you, when you really look at the way 
other SEC teams are scheduling down the future, Georgia, Florida, I mean, it's two to three games a year against good Power 5 opponents, home and home, very much scheduling that says we think the college football playoff is going to get expanded to eight teams and you're going to have an ability to just survive and get in in the SEC with two losses. So I think uh, Tennessee is kind of medieval almost in the way they've been scheduling these home and home or not scheduling home and home is the way they've not been scheduling things in the future. And I get, I know Danny White just took over, so it's kind of going to be a reevaluation for him. But obviously his, his first big decision was to go to a neutral site game. And I think that was a little bit disappointing, but I think the, the jury's still out. We'll see uh, what all he has uh, in plan for Tennessee non-conference matchups in the next next 10 years. Yeah. Get Virginia Tech, you cowards. Um, that is that is my thing. I, I'll live and die by this hill. I don't think Tennessee fans really care all that much about Bot Tech, but that's just something that I really want. Um, what do we know about Taven Jackson? Yeah, no, that's it's a good gift for Tennessee. Yeah, what I learned about him today is that his brother's that a good basketball player at Indiana. I didn't. Hmm. I mean, I knew who that guy was, and I knew Tavon Jackson was obviously from uh, Indiana, but I didn't know they were actually related. And when you look at what Hypel, you know, he, I don't want strike struck out, but I feel like that's kind of he was put in a really tough situation with the Sam Horn and with the uh, Simpson situation. So, but when you miss out on two guys that grew up Tennessee fans, I mean, that's a really tough situation, no matter how you slice it. And it wasn't all Hypel's fault, and he was put in a tough situation, like I just said. But for him to be able to regroup, reevaluate, find a guy they like, a four-star, and obviously not rated as highly as Horner uh, Simpson are, but a good player and you know Tennessee's highest-rated recruit right now, and I, or highest-rated commit right now, and I think we'll have that chance to, to be that for a while. I think it was a really good get and someone that seems like he uh, fits pretty well in Heifel's system. Big guy, 6'5", can throw the ball down the field, but also has a, a little bit of mobility as well. So I think it seems like a good fit, and uh, credit to Heupel for being able to get past a, a tough two breaks and a tough start to recruiting quarterbacks in this cycle and still getting a good guy and getting a good guy in the boat pretty early. For sure, for sure. Um, what is the latest on the basketball program? Like the the flip, Justin Gainey, do you know anything about him? Yeah, so it's been it's kind of died down the past two weeks after it had an incredibly hectic week. You get Justin Gainey, and, and with him you get Jonas I do to center from uh, North Carolina, a fringe top 50 recruit, a four-star who was committed to Marquette, and uh, Ganey was his main recruiter there. And Ganey, obviously, after Wojciechowski got uh, fired, he ends up at Tennessee. Tennessee gets a do. And then I don't think we've talked since the last time Tennessee picked up Brandon Huntley Halffield there, too, yeah. in that same stretch. So you saw Tennessee uh, really address some front court needs that they had pretty badly. And I guess. It had kind of been speculated for a little bit that Fulkerson was coming back, but that official announcement came the same week. So you kind of see, for the most part, what Tennessee's roster is rounded up and looked like now. They have two two spots left. Rick Barnes talked to the media this week, and he didn't seem really eager to use either of those spots, but I would think they at least would do something with one of those spots and maybe the other carry it over to a, um, a midseason transfer if someone that they like came available. I know that happened with the guy at West Virginia last last year ended up going to Kentucky, Tennessee, was interested but didn't have a spot for him at the time. So I think that'll be uh, something worth watching. But a lot of new faces, two new coaches, a ton of new guys on the roster. But you have to uh, applaud what Rick Barnes has done to really flip this thing. And despite all the turnover and despite losing two coaches and all the relationships they had in the recruiting world, being able to keep it going and 
get uh, some big time recruits and obviously we I think we have talked since the Justin Powell transfer so he's yeah. really retooled the roster and what matters in the end is how they all play in the season but they they start, he's certainly done a good job of making this roster uh, look formidable and have a chance to finish in the top four of the SEC again it's impressive the flip um this was gonna always gonna be a difficult task and the just the turnover and it's just gonna be a different team like altogether. just everything's gonna be different i mean folky with an all-time great announcement that he's coming back for his 19th year at uh ut so that's uh i mean it's just gonna be interesting it's gonna be different i think they're gonna play a different style i'm excited um i'm excited to see what it all looks like led by kennedy chandler um last thing we'll wrap up here this weekend kentucky uh what do we make of the current state of tennessee baseball yeah, so you mentioned kind of the the midweek loss to Lipscomb, which kind of had Tony Vitello jacked up and wasn't pleased with that. And Tennessee bounced back in a, a big way last on Thursday night in game one of the series, winning 14-4 to over Kentucky. They got down 3-0, and there wasn't a whole lot of life in Lindsey Nelson Stadium for the Thursday night uh, first pitch and a little bit of rain in there too, and it kind of took all the juices out of the cells. And then Tennessee responded with 12 uh, runs in the second and third inning to take control of that game. So, a good win as Tennessee kind of keeps marching on. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Just they're kind of in an easier stretch right now. They had Texas A&M last weekend, Kentucky this weekend, and then Missouri next weekend. So three series you'd expect Tennessee to win. They won the one at A&M. They got game one against Kentucky, and Kentucky's probably the best of those three teams. And they're nine and nine in SEC play right now. I guess nine and ten now after Thursday night loss, but they're. And they're right. I think was this week they were the first team out of the NCAA tournament according to a couple sites. So. They, uh, they have a ton to play for. They have a, a talented team and some talented hitting. So I think what Tennessee was able to do last night early, get the Friday night starter out of the game in the second inning and get to Kentucky's bullpen early, I think will be really beneficial the rest of the weekend as Tennessee's bats seem to kind of be getting hot as the, the weather heats up, the, heats up as well. All right. Well, Ryan, what can we check out from you uh, this week across the Internet? Yeah, so it'll just be uh, Tennessee baseball coverage now for the, the time being. We'll have the Monday 3-2-1 uh, recapping how Tennessee does this weekend against Kentucky and then taking a look forward to the rest of SEC play. And then on Thursday, uh, we'll have a podcast and a preview of the series for Missouri. So make sure to check all that out at uh, VolQuest.com or follow me on Twitter at rshump 0 all right. Well, go do that. Good luck with the remainder of your finals. We're almost through it. We're almost through it, uh, Ryan. So we'll we'll do it, and then uh, home free for the summer. Excited. Looks like it's gonna be a beautiful summer here in Knoxville. So things opening up a little bit. I'm excited. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, my friend, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.